This summer, we've been, uh, as a, I guess as a group of churches, uh, been working through some psalms, and today I want to uh, speak to you about um, Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. And uh, we're going to talk about the ABCs of faith life this morning, as taught by, by the psalmist. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Thus, for the reading of God's holy and inspired word, the title of the message is The ABCs of Life and Congregation of Our Lord Jesus Christ. Most all people here this morning are familiar with a song that we teach our children in their youngest age. And uh, I'll have it on the screen there. Recognize this song? I hope so. Let's try singing it together. A, B, C, D, E, F, G... H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Very good. Well done. Give yourselves a hand. Yeah. We would not for a moment, not for a second, think that when we have our children come into the world and as they grow up, we would not think for a second to not teach them the ABCs. That's one of the first things that we do. We give the kids even toys with letters of the alphabet. There's something that every culture wants to do. It wants to transmit its learning and its knowledge to the next generation. And so it insists that their, that their children learn the ABCs, as it were. Now, the ancient psalmist recognized the value of, of everyone learning their ABCs as well. This is why he incorporated the alphabet into Psalm 119. So forever in the future, you're going to anchor the ABC song with Psalm 119 in your mind. Now this psalm is an acrostic psalm. Now there are only 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. If you have, if you have a Bible with you and you look at Psalm 119, you'll see that it's divided into 22 sections, with each section having eight verses. Now, the first letter of each verse 
in a section begins with the letter that's at the head of that section. So in other words, when the first letter is A, the first word in each of the Psalms verses there begins with the same letter, A. And it goes all the way through uh, Psalm 119. In our scripture for this morning, we're going to look at each verse in the verse of M or Mim. Of course, in the translation from Hebrew to English, there's things that we just don't see. If you were to take out your Bible right now and have it open to Psalm 119, you would say, well, I'm going to go to the G letter. And obviously in English, not all the, not all the words start with a G. You'll notice all the words in the M section don't begin with an M. Now, there's a reason for that. When we translate things from one language to another, sometimes the, the poetic structure, sometimes the, the, the rhythm or the rhyme or the approach to uh, putting poetry together is different. And so we see that in Hebrew. It just doesn't quite translate over the same way into the English. And so I've had over the course of my ministry, many times people have told me, uh, many immigrants have told me stories from their homeland or funny sayings, and I just look at them and I don't get it because I don't understand the humor or the, the kind of the resonance of idiom from another language. Now, when the Hebrew is translated into English, we can still... You know, even though we can't get it perfectly in the same kind of form, we can get the, the very meaning and the content to come over into the English translation. So we miss out on some of that unique structure, but we gain some of the insights that come from its teaching. We're going to look at some of those this morning in Psalm 119. Now, the psalmist was a very concerned spiritual teacher. He was concerned about arranging the psalm in such a way so as to communicate a very specific message. And he labored greatly so that all the verses would, be, would begin with just the right letter. He worked hard so that each verse was a balanced couplet. And he used the alphabet as his teaching tool. But there's more to this psalm than just a, a clever structure. At the very heart of this psalm is the deep truth that the psalmist was passionately in love with God's law. Think about that statement for a moment. The psalmist was passionately in love with God's law. Now here we don't mean simply the Ten Commandments. That might be a quick and easy solution. So, oh, well, he loves the Ten Commandments. That makes sense. But that's not the fullest part of the meaning. Here it means more than just the Ten Commandments. It means all of the law of God. That is all what we would now call the Old Testament. Every part of it. In essence, the psalmist was convinced heart and soul that, that his very life and his, and his existence depended on being connected to that law that has been given by God. Now, in a sense, he was promoting a, a single-minded devotion which pushed people beyond the ho-hum kind of religion that he saw in his day. You know, the psalmist looked around and, and, he, and, and he saw that there was a certain kind of lackadaisicalness 
to people's love for God. But instead, he said to himself, I want to focus on God so much, I want to understand him more and more. And so the psalmist begins to study the law of God, all that which we call the Old Testament. And he begins to, to see it's an incredible story of, of coming salvation. It's an incredible story of how God, all, the Lord Almighty, works in this world. And he, he begins to focus his, his entire life upon that. So for him, for him, the law was neither an unbearable burden of do's and don'ts or a mere reference book of, of quaint old stories and a bunch of stuffy old commands. In fact, in his conclusion, the psalmist was sure that God's law was a gift to humanity. Isn't that interesting? That the Bible itself is a gift. This gift, in turn, uh, should be every believer's delight and joy. The words of God can become the source of comfort in life as people live out their days before God. Journey with me this morning for a few minutes as we, as we go through each of the verses of this psalm, this section of, of, of Psalm 119, as we go through it and see what we can glean for our spiritual insight and understanding. Verse 90 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Now, the letter M comes around the middle of the long poem of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a long poem. It comes in the middle. Now, in English, when we make poetry or we make a story, we tend to make sure that the story moves its way through and it begins to go up to a climax and it comes to a high point and then it ends. That's how we see things. But the, for ancient poetry, especially for Hebrew poetry, the height of the poetry comes in the middle of the psalm. So when you begin to read other psalms, notice that, that oftentimes they kind of move themselves up towards the middle of the poem to a high point, a climax, and then they descend, ending with in all things we must praise the Lord. Understand how the psalmist was writing. So he understood really well that many of his people in his day had made objects of love that was not the law of God. He could look around and see that. He saw that they loved to accumulate animals, that they, they were forever insatiable for land, that they had a desire for more and more gold to be within their pockets. And you know, in a lot of ways, things aren't so much different. Many centuries, three millennia later, many people today long for bigger and better cars and for homes and boats or, or bank accounts. They long for many of the same kind of things as the ancients did. And they begin to make these things their focus. Towards these kind of things in the world, people have deep affections. They are willing to invest much time and energy into their pursuit, often at the expense of their relationship to the Lord and sometimes even their relationships to others around them. The life focus 
of the psalmist was directed in such a way for him to, to shape his time and energy in his daily life to be able to have meditation upon God's word and not for the pursuits of the things of the world because God knows that we need them. The psalmist's meditation on God's law was, was a regular spiritual practice. He, uh, he doesn't say precisely if it was every day or what hour, but he was constantly bringing these things to mind. He literally hungered and thirsted for the ways of the Lord. Everything that God revealed in his word would be investigated so as to, as to seek understanding. You know, years ago, my wife and I lived in Louisiana for three years, and we were in a church where a lot of new people were coming to Christ, a lot of new believers, and, and so we often had people over at our house, and we get on a game way back then uh, called Bible Challenge. And what was interesting to me is, is as we played the game, oftentimes the people new to the faith knew almost nothing of some of the things of the Bible. And what was interesting to me is they constantly said, tell us the story. So one card, the question is, is who slayed a great giant? The answer was David. And, and many of the people didn't know who David was. And so we had to explain the whole story. And so playing a game became part of storytelling. And so these young believers wanted to know more and more of the word of God. The psalmist here meditates on God's law because he loves it. And he loved it because he meditated on it. Think about that for a moment. You decide on your object of love. And then you, you really begin to focus on that. And you begin to learn everything that you can about that. And so you meditate upon it and, and love it. And you love it and meditate upon it. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Now, for the men here who are going to be playing with guns and food, looks like, at some point... I'm just, as a pastor, I'm really not in favor of the guns thing, but be careful. But men, if I were to ask you right now to give 15 good qualities about your wife in 30 seconds, how do you think that would go? How many think you would go really well? I don't see too many men raising their hands. It takes a little bit to meditate on the qualities of your wife and then be able to say them out loud. Well, the psalmist was simply saying is the more that he meditated upon it, the more he loved the word of God and the more that he read the word of God, the more that he loved it. It just kept going on and on. And kind of like that, a great relationship between a man and a woman as they live out their married life together and just getting to know each other and know their immense qualities. So here we're going to take a moment to go through each of the verses in Psalm 119. We go to verse 98. It says, Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. You know, God has supplied us with the words of life in his word. As we study those words, we gain knowledge. But you know, knowledge is not the same as wisdom. You can know that you shouldn't touch a hot stove, but you have to exercise wisdom. We've been cooking. It's still going to be residual hot for a while. We can't touch it. 
You have to think beyond where you're at. And with the psalmist, he humbly went before God, looking at instruction, not looking at it as something dead, but as something living. You know, over the course of my ministry of 30 years nearly, I've discovered that a lot of people in the church have lots of opinions on things. And they oftentimes feel compelled to share them with their pastor. We don't always necessarily need to hear all of them. I'm just saying. Think about that for Pastor Bruce. Okay? But the interesting thing is, is that, that you're willing to listen to people who have garnered wisdom in their lives, aren't we? We're ready to listen to people with wisdom, but we're, we're not just necessarily ready to listen to people who have certain knowledge and just keep on spouting it at us. Well, the psalmist wanted to go beyond that knowledge and into wisdom. And so his meditation was not on a, a frozen set of rules. He learned, he learned just so much to get by, and then he stopped studying, and he had an opinion on everything. No. The psalmist says, I will continue to delve into that word of God and learn and grow and grow and learn. Verse 99 says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statues. Well, on Tuesday, when the kids get to school, I hope they don't walk up to their teacher and, I, and say, I have gained more insight than you have. <laughs> we don't want our students to do that. But we, we might think this to be kind of an arrogant kind of statement, but I don't think so. I think the more that you rely upon God, the greater your insights become as you continue to grow in that faith. Now, at the beginning, you can be stunned in, into the, the majesty and the glory of God, but as you go, you go deeper and deeper and deeper into that beautiful picture of, of God. You know, the prophet Jeremiah was faced with people who were knowledgeable but not wise. You see, when Jeremiah was prophesying, prophesying to ancient Judah, and they were about to go into exile under the Babylonians. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said, tell, tell the king that if he cooperates with Babylon, it will go much easier for you. And then when the king heard those words, he checked with his other prophets who were quite knowledgeable, had many things memorized in the faith, Asked him, what does the Lord say? They said, well, go for help, to e go to Egypt for help. And so, so Jeremiah was, was conflicted. The whole body of religious leaders was saying one thing and, and he heard God saying another. But the truth of the matter is he heard the voice of God because he had come to know God in an intimate and deep relationship. You know, some people shape all their, 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 their reality around them on their own spiritual, political, uh, whatever kind of uh, economic kind of preferences that they have. And they may have some knowledge about some of those things. But it takes more to have wisdom, and that's what the psalmist was seeking each and every day. Psalm 100, or Psalm 119, verse 100 says, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Imagine the, the young people from Elevate group come into uh, 
the, the leaders of the church room one night said, we have more insight than you guys. We'll run the church for a while. How do you think that would go? Immediately we'd say, now that's kind of arrogant. That's kind of like, you think that you know, you know more. The maxim usually works like this. The older that you get, the wiser that you are. And certainly life experience can help us to understand and to live more efficiently. But here the psalmist was saying this, that through his careful study, through his meditation, through his applying God's word to his daily life, he had surpassed the wisdom of his elders. And someone who we know, King David, fits in this category. You know, when Samuel, the judge, went to Jesse's house, God sent him to Jesse's house to anoint one of Jesse's sons as a king. Samuel said to Jesse, bring out your sons. I'm here on a special mission. And the first son comes out, six foot two, broad-shouldered, strong. And, and, and Samuel, the judge, goes to himself, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of man we need in, in office. And then God says, no, Samuel, not him. Okay, so another son is brought before Samuel. Samuel looks at that one. Surely this is the one who will be king. And God says, no. And so it goes on through all the sons of Jesse until Samuel has to ask, do you have any more sons anywhere? And the father's reply is, I have one in the fields. He's a shepherd. And so David was called in. And why was David selected by Samuel? It was because of divine insight. Samuel had first looked at the exterior of, 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 of David's brothers and had thought, these men are worthy to be king of their physical stature, their appearance. But Samuel himself too learned that God looks at the heart. And David understood this and became a man after God's own heart. He understood the proverb, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He, he came to understand this and so pursued God. Verse 101 says of our passage, I have kept my feet from every evil path so I might obey your word. The psalmist here exhibits, exhibits a kind of a burning love for God, his ways, a genuine kind of sense that he wants to go that way in, in kind of a godliness. This characteristic explains the, the psalmist's razor-sharp focus. If you read the entirety of Psalm 119 this afternoon, you will find only four verses which speak about the psalmist himself. Everything else is focused on God. It's a razor-sharp focus on the things of God. You know, how do, how, do we, how do we create wins in our society today with people who face challenges? Well, someone who faces the challenge of alcohol, we say to them, well, you need to, to have hit rock bottom. You need to have to stop drinking at all. You need to stay away from places of where liquor is sold or served. If you have an anger management problem, you, we, we say to people, you have to come to understand the triggers that, that lead you to become angry. You need to deal with those feelings that generate anger. 
That's what we do for people, right? We help them to move from where they are to where they need to go. So it's the same with the psalmist. I'm going to keep myself away from those places that might make me trip and fall. I'm going to go to places that, that are focused on with people who love you and people who want to find you. And so the, the psalmist says, I've kept my feet from going into places that will lead me astray. It's a powerful thought today. Verse 102 says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. You know, you ever get someone who has, is into the latest fad, they're going to they're gonna sell something and become rich? Others have, have an exercise fad that they do all the time and, others, and tell others that they should be doing all the time. And still others have found the, the method to be able to learn quickly and to implement new ideas. Well, the psalmist understood that what he had found in the Lord's word was, was no kind of a passing fad. The psalmist was convinced that he had found the genuine article in a living relationship with the Lord. What he had found in the law of God opened up a whole new, a whole new spiritual panorama for the psalmist, which he was determined to stick with. He found that God's word met all his spiritual needs and that he had found true delight in the Lord's directions. Now we can readily admit today that at times the discipline required for following in the Lord's ways are, is, is not always easy. I could ask us this morning, when's the last time that we've had a quiet moment with the Lord, praying with him, reading his word, garnering some of those things? It's difficult to focus in that way. And so we have to, to go against the direction that says the path of least resistance. We need to remain focused on the ABCs that the Lord has given Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Those are startling kind of words, sweet or tasty, wonderful. You know, it's fall, last weekend of summer. And I can remember growing up, going to the county fair. And they would, one of my favorite things at the county fair was, was Wisconsin sweet corn. Not Tabor, Wisconsin. I grew up in the States. And they would grill that corn on a, on a great big metal mesh thing above a bunch of charcoal and, and all that, that sweet corn would get roasted and then, and then they would rip back the husk and then they had this big pail of, of liquid butter and they'd plunge your whole piece of ear of corn on there and you would sprinkle it with some salt and then you would... Who wants corn on the cob for lunch? Yeah. Well, the psalmist says, when I, when, I, when I read, when I ponder, when I meditate on God's law, it's just as tasty as the tastiest thing that you could remember over years and years and decades of your life. Think about it. It's the best thing that you can find. So the psalmist took delight and that law of God. He, he relished each word in the same way that he would relish a, a mouthful of sweet, sweet honey. Finally, verse 104 says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. 
You know, faith-wise, it was difficult in the psalmist's day to discern which way people were going to go in their faith walk. People could be very religious, but not very faithful. Some people were devoted to their idols that were formed out of wood or stone or metal. The psalmist observed that, that there were people who didn't even believe in God. Psalm 14, he says, those who don't even believe in God are fools. They're fools. That's how strongly the psalmist felt about it. Denying that there's a God? So as he lived in that context, he looked around and he said to himself, how in the world are we going to help the faith be transmitted from one generation to another? How are we going to ensure the fire continues to burn brightly in the hearts and lives of people as they follow God? How are we going to ensure that the path is lighted onto the way that which they must go? How are we going to do that? Well, we go to the Lord and his word. We love his word, we meditate on it, and then we love it even more. And so we master the ABCs of the faith. We understand the things of why Jesus came into the world to live and die for, for sinners like you and me. We understand that he rose on the third day as we sang this morning. We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit going out into the world, touching the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls everywhere. And along with that word comes Christ, and along with that comes Christ, comes his living word that we can, we can have access to any and every day. We don't have to fight for it like in some countries. We don't have to hide the word of God. We can simply live it out before us. You know, if we think about it today, to hear a song about the law, I mean, I really don't hear very many people extolling law these days. I mean, in a harsh kind of way, they are extolling laws. Like, here's a question for you. I was thinking about this as I was driving the other day. How many of you live by the speed limit on Highway 2? Is it just the lights? I can't see any hands. Or is there really nobody here who honors the law? Oh, government, I love your law of 110K an hour. We don't do that, do we, right? Actually, we're lawbreakers. Our insight straight is to actually find out creative ways to break the law. That's what... You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but this is an aside, one of these pet peeve things. You know, some people who are criminals, they do some incredibly creative things, and I look at it and I think, if you just applied that to regular work, that'd be incredible. That's just my thought. Oh, I had to share that one. But, but if you think about it, if you keep yourself from evil paths, and you keep on the path of God, and you keep as your object the, the love of your life, the very word of God, then suddenly God's law becomes winsome. It becomes winsome. Sometimes as a pastor, I ask myself, 
I don't know that I always see a lot of our new songs extolling, extolling the, the love of God's law like we see the psalmist doing it. Because the psalms are nothing but songs. You've had, a, you've had a summer of songs, songs of the Lord that brings all kinds of different things to the forefront. Well, here the psalmist was really dedicated he was sticking to the ABCs of the faith and he was savoring them each step of the way. You know, we have to watch out in our day that somehow technique and glitz and, and, and all kinds of triumphal kind of things take the place of, of actual careful study of God's word and meditation on it. It's vital for us to remember that, that Jesus came into the world and our first our first thing to say is that Jesus came into the world to die for our sins, and that's absolutely true. But what did Jesus himself say? He says, I have come into this world to fulfill the scriptures, to honor the promise of God Almighty to bring salvation in the world. And so we must never lose sight of all the things that we do, the activities that we have, the sometimes the idol-making that we made out of them, that we focus on them, but we focus on God and his word in drinking up that word. You know, when Jesus was walking on this earth, and, and, and if you notice, someone did a study of this, that basically 50% of the questions that Jesus entertained in the New Testament were were questions asked of him, and only 50% of the time did he initiate the conversation on a topic. So most of the time, Jesus, you know, half the time, Jesus was answering people's questions. And I have a question for you. How did Jesus normally answer people's questions in the gospel? He answered them with Scripture. Jesus was a master of the word and he kept on sharing that word with people. Guess, I'm just saying, can you guess what Jesus' favorite book of the Bible was from which he quoted from in the New Testament? Isaiah. No, that's third. Isaiah's third. Psalms. Psalms is number one. That's the, that's the book of the Bible that Jesus quoted the most. When people came to him with a question of need, he gave them from something from the Psalms. When he himself found himself hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting from Psalm 22. The Psalms keep on driving us to our knees in worship to the living God. And so the psalmist would have it, Jesus would have it, that we become intimate with his word in so many ways. It's vitally important that the church of the 21st century you know, adopt some of this attitude, this approach of the psalmist again. Go back to the basics. Do your ABCs and, and then become a master in the faith. That's really what the psalmist was saying. 3,000 years ago, and the message still resonates today. Because we still need that as God's people. 
Psalm 119's ABCs of faith formation continue to shine a light on God's desired pathway for his people. And like men of the psalmist, and we too can be ever deepening our relationship to the Lord God and be blessed in that. Amen. Let us uh, bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Lord, we are confronted every day with questions about how to live our lives. What are the choices that we make? What law will we obey? Will we even honor men's law because we honor your law? Instruct us in your ways, O God. May your precepts become the foundation of our very daily lives. And as we do this, we do it not in our own strength, but we do it as did the psalmist with your spirit, being guided into paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus we pray, amen.